Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Man vs. Reality. Um, this week we're going to be having a look at human rights. Uh, what are human rights? Um, is there like a worldwide opinion on what human rights are, what it should be, what you're actually allowed to have and allowed to do? Um, who gives you those human rights? And um, what can you do if those rights are violated? Uh, we've heard a hell of a lot of examples of uh, hu what human rights discussions. Um, a lot of people refer to God-given human rights. I imagine those differ depending on what God uh, you prescribe to, if you prescribe to any religion. Um, like, human rights aren't really dictated by like uh, nature or anything along those lines. Um, they tend to be dictated by the country that you live in and whoever's in charge of that country. Um, but people tend to take different opinions on what they are and how they can be used and stuff like that. A couple of notab notable examples that have gone on in the past few years, mainly from America, um, is like these big corporations that have bought up water. Nestle, in some states, have bought up water from people and won't allow people to use the water that's in their states because they want it for their product instead. And that's been allowed to happen. And Nestle said that water wasn't a human right. I don't understand how that can be an opinion. Um, other ones are things like the ab the abortion law that's been brought in in America, which um, basically says that abortion isn't a human right for any women and they don't really have control of their bodies. Um, yeah, so quite interesting. So let's have a look at that. I don't think it's going to go as easy as uh, last week's show did. That was kind of brilliant. It was very, very one-sided, though, about trickle-down economics. If you watched that, there was basically nothing that I could really find that actually supported trickle-down economics and uh, everything pointed to evidence that showed that it was just a big con, um, which was why it was probably the shortest of these podcasts that I'm going to do. Uh, this week, I don't think we're going to come to much of a conclusion on it, to be honest. We'll answer all the questions, but there's no real like big overriding question. Like last week, it was like, is trickle-down economics a con or not? This is basically just looking into human rights and what you can do about it. I imagine there'll just be little conclusions as we go. So, um, yeah, let's just crack on. So, as per usual, if you're just listening to the podcast, I've got Google open in front of me. If you want to watch this as a video, it's on the YouTube channel and all this kind of thing. So you could follow along uh, what websites I go to as I do it. Basically, you're going to be my uh, peer reviews as is the entire idea of the show. So, uh, first off, let's just start with a simple one. What are human rights? Pow. And da, 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 da. Okay, so this very top one, so there's no ads on uh, this subject on Google, which is quite heartening to see, really, isn't it? Because uh, anybody who's kind of making money off this, I imagine would be a monster um yeah so this is from um a website equalityhumanrights.com and the title of this article is what are human rights so let's see if we can just do a quick check see if it's got author's names and all that kind of thing it says last updated 2019 so that's quite a while ago and it hasn't actually got an author of it but we'll have a see see what the crack is now this has got a different YouTube video. I don't really want to click on that. I think it's just that that's going to be explaining it. Let's go to the first paragraph though, see what that says. Uh, human rights are basic rights and freedoms that belong to every person in the world from birth until death. They apply regardless of where you are from, what you believe, or how you choose to live your life. And that's quite an interesting one. They can never be taken away although they can sometimes be restricted. For example, if a person breaks the law or in the interest of national security. So if you're deemed as a terrorist, your human rights go out the window. Um, these basic rights are based on shared values like dignity, fairness, equality, respect, and independence. These values are defined and protected by law. In Britain, our human rights are protected by the Human Rights Act of 1998. Right, um, I imagine that'll be a bit too in-depth for what we're looking at. I wonder if there's a brief like overview of that Human Rights Act that I can find a bit later on. Uh, yeah, if I click on that, it'd be right down a rabbit hole and it'd just be me reading boring. Yeah, even more boring. Um, yeah, platitudes out to you. Um, 
Right, so scroll, I've been scrolled down a bit. Uh, how do human rights help you? Human rights are relevant to all of us. So this is obviously, this is based at just people in the UK. Um, whereas we know that in different countries, different human rights are enforced and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, human rights are relevant to all of us, not just those who face representation, or, uh, repression or mistreatment. They protect you in many areas of your day-to-day -day life, including your right to have and express your own opinion, your right to an education, your right to private and family life, your right not to be mistreated or wrongly punished by the state. So then it goes on to give uh, a load of things where these rights are set out, basically. So this is very much targeted at the UK, this, uh, this article, whereas I wanted to find like a broader stroke there we go. Let's click on this first question here. So that's just given us the uh, human rights by the United Nations. That'll be a good one. UN.org. I'll have a look at that in a second. Just see what else is coming on. There's a UNICEF article here. So is UNICEF all over the world? Yeah, let's click on the UN one. That'll be good. So this is UN.org. Uh, human rights, global issues. Right, so this should be about everything. Just scrolling down to the bottom now, see if I can see where. So it's got resources, so it's got links of where we can find uh, all of the information they've drawn from to create this article. So you, we can go on and peer review, should one be so inclined. So that obviously tells us that this is an actually researched article. There's also a load of hyperlinks to go to everything that's referred to during this article. It being the UN, I'm inclined to think that we could trust this website, all right? Kind of what the UN's for. Right, so back to the top again. What are human rights? Human rights are rights inherent to all human beings, regardless of race, sex, nationality, ethnicity, language, religion, or any other status. Human rights include the right to life and liberty, freedom from slavery and torture, freedom of opinion and expression, the right to work and education, and many more. Everyone is entitled to these rights without discrimination. Mm, see, that's quite an interesting one because that means that you've basically that we've got to police them, which is kind of what the UN is, isn't it? But surely the UN can only operate for people who uh, have signed up to it. It's the United Nations. If you're not one of the United Nations, you can do whatever the fuck you want. I imagine. Okie dokie, international human rights law. This should be quite good. So it's got a hyperlink here, which I imagine will take us to the very official document which states all of the actual laws, law by law, which will be way too much for me to understand because legalese is purposely confusing. So normals like me and you can't understand it and you have to go to um, university for three or four years so you can be paid lots of money just to read down. out very, very confusing things that mean simple layman's crap okay so international human rights law lays down the obligation of governments to act in a certain way or refrain from certain acts in order to promote and protect human rights and fundamental freedoms of individuals or groups one of the great achievements of the united nations is the creation of a comprehensive body of human rights law a universal and internationally protected code to which all nations can subscribe and all people aspire human the united nations has defined a broad range of intentionally accepted rights including civil cultural economic political and social rights it has also established mechanisms to promote and protect these rights and assist states in carrying out their responsibilities do, 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 do. yeah so it basically just states what we've already said it's so this kind of goes on to answering the second question then isn't it like who gives you your human rights so the united nations uh, has basically come out with a charter that's saying there with a comprehensive list of human rights to be upheld all over the world but obviously these guys have got to um yeah the people have got to subscribe to it in order to be a part of it. 
Um, civil protected rights. I'm just scrolling down through this article now, see if there's anything other of interest. Obviously, it goes into it quite heavily, but this is just the UN's take on it, isn't it? Let's go back and let's check that UNICEF one, see what that does, because I'm sure that's a different organisation, isn't it? And there's an Amnesty International one as well. See now here, like I said, like I repeatedly keep banging into everybody's head. I try and stay away from Wikipedia articles because um, anybody can change them at any point. But I think for this, it might be the best way to go, which is another thing I always kind of say. I don't like going on them, but I always end up going on them. So maybe I should just shut my mouth and just deal with it. Okay, so this is the uh, Wikipedia article on human rights. Human rights are moral principles or norms for certain standards of human behaviour and are regularly protected in municipal and international law. So that's like the law of the country and the law that is everybody's. Of all countries. Yeah, cool. They are commonly understood and inalienable fundamental rights to which a person is inherently entitled simply because he, she or he is a human being and which are inherent to all human beings regardless of their age da, 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 whatever okay let's go and see some of these uh, different categories that we can have a look at here so um Promotion strategies, that's how you get your human rights there. Um, protection at the international level. So there's United Nations, uh, Human Rights Council, UN treaty bodies, international courts. So I am imagining if your human rights are being infringed by the country in which you live, then um, you can go to one of these different places. Uh, regional human rights regimes. Now, this is kind of what I'm interested in because obviously, right, regional human rights regimes. Because, like I said before, if you're not in the UN or anything along those lines, then their laws aren't going to apply to you. If you've not signed up to them, you can basically treat your people however you want. Like, a great example of that is obviously North Korea, isn't it? Because your human rights are shut the fuck up and do whatever we tell you to do. Whereas, that's unthinkable. In the West, in the UK. Um, I mean, it's getting a bit more North Korea over here with them uh, banning protests and all that kind of thing and, and bringing stricter uh, policing in. But, yeah, we shall see. Let's see what this says. So, regional human rights regimes. In over 110 countries, National Human Rights Institute, the NR, NHRIS, have been set up to protect, promote, monitor human rights with jurisdictions in given countries. Although the NHRIs are compliant with the Paris Principles, whatever they are, I imagine that uh, it tells us, oh, there we go. 54. Charter State Nations Institute, duh, 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 duh. it tells us what it is there. If you hover over that hyperlink, that's quite nice. Cool. Um, yeah, uh, the number and effect of these institutions is increasing. The Paris Principles were defined at the first international workshop on national institutions for the promotion and protection of human rights in Paris, the 7th to the 9th of October 1991. So that's what that is. Uh, and adopted by the United Nations Human Rights Commission. Resolution, da, 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 National Assembly. The African Union. So this is just basically going through different continents and how they handle and implement their human rights. So here's some philosophies on human rights. So this should be quite interesting. Several theoretical approaches have been advanced to explain how and why human rights became part of society. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the oldest Western philosophies on human rights is that they are a product of a natural law stemming from different philosophies and religious from different philosophical or religious grounds. That's quite interesting. Especially the religious grounds bit. Uh, because 
Excuse me. Yeah, you can uh, act quite awful in the name of your god, and you can oppress certain individuals um, who are not of your religion. So I would say the religious ground things kind of falls on its ass, doesn't it? Uh, other theories hold that human rights codify moral behavior, which is a human social product developed by the process of biological and social evolution. Human rights are also described as a sociological pattern of rules, of rule setting. Yoni, yoni, yons. Yeah, so I mean, that kind of tells us exactly what human rights are, doesn't it? So, so let's go and see. Um, who grants us human rights? Let's go on to that. So we know that it's basically a set of principles that you're entitled to from birth, no matter who you are, what you believe. Um, and it's supposed to be to help you uh, live, basically. <laughs> okay, so uh, who gives us... human rights. Let me see what this says. Truth of Amnesty. See, now that's an ad there, right? The first one, the Truth of Amnesty. Amnesty ignores human rights. Meh. Human rights grants. So that's obviously someone who's attacking someone. Just, I think that might be an attack on Amnesty International. We're not going to go into any of that. Um, but we have funding, funding and budget. International Human Rights Program, the Human Rights Trust. Funding for human rights. So this is basically just loads of people asking for money in order to help people achieve human rights. I think it's because I use the word grants and they have took grants as in a monetary grant, human rights grants, um, as opposed to who allows us to have and I've also I'll put how instead of who. I don't know whether I uh, allows us. Who allows us human rights? Here we go. Ah, okay. So, so let's have a look at this first one here. What are human rights? So this again is the United Nations website. This is the uh, OHCHR.org. What are human rights? It basically tells us all of this kind of thing. So here it's highlighted because of what we Googled and what I Googled was who allows us to have human rights. And it says the Universal Declar Declaration of Human Rights adopted by the UN General Assembly in 1948 was the first legal document set out to set out the fundamental human rights to be universally protected. The UDHR, which turned 70 in 2018, continues to be the foundation of all international human rights law. Its 30 articles provide the principal and building blocks of current and future human rights conventions, treaties and other legal instruments. Hmm. Universal and inalienable. Now, this that's quite interesting. So it might be. Um, so these are all the things, obviously, that they're trying to, that the Human Rights Act should cover. It's universal and inalienable, so it's for everyone. Indivisible and interdependent. Okay, all human rights are indivisible and interdependent. This means that one set of rights cannot be enjoyed fully without the other. Oh, okay, right, cool. Yeah, I get what you mean. You can't enjoy freedom of movement unless you're freedom free to move. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, in a broader sense, it means like you need economic rights in order to have social and cultural rights. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, it's equal and non-discriminatory. Again, it's everybody else. Both rights and obligations. All states have ratified at least one to nine core human treaties. Doo -doo -doo -doo. Obligation to respect means that a state must refrain from interfering with or curtailing the enjoyment of human rights. 
The obligation to protect requires a state to protect individuals and groups against human rights abuses. The obligation to fulfil means that states must take positive actions to facilitate the enjoyment of basic human rights. So that's what these uh, countries sign up to when they sign up to the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. So... Who isn't in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights? What's wrong with the Universal Declaration of Human Rights? God, you gotta love the internet, innit? So everybody's just slagging it off already. The United Nations. Who hasn't signed? Right, here we go. This should be quite an interesting one. So it answers the thing. This was written in 2015 by uh, Andrew Glass. And it is from politico.com. United Nations adopts Declaration of Human Rights on December 10th, 1948. Has it highlighted the bit that we wanted to look at? No, but it's not a very long article, so... Here we go. So this is what we wanted. Who's not in it? In all, four, in all, 48 nations voted in favour and none against. Eight abstained. Six communist nations led by the Soviet Union plus South Africa, Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, uh, which signed a declaration. Which signed a declaration, uh, disagreed and critiqued the Saudi position as did Turkey, a predominantly Muslim nation. Honduras and Yemen, both members of the UN, failed to either vote or abstain. Hmm. Right, so... Let's Google how do countries outside the UN Outside the UN, employ human rights. Employ human rights. There we go. Cool, cool, cool. Right. Protect human rights, United Nations. Right. Well, we don't want the UN, we want not the UN. What can the UN do if a country does not follow human rights? There we go, you see? That's the question I wanted to answer. Right, so this is the UN website again. So let's have a click on this, see what they can do if it's not part of the human rights. So, yep, this is UN.org again. This is from an article, Protect Human Rights. How does the UN promote and protect human rights? Human Rights Council. And then that doesn't tell us anything about what we need to know. Um, what are the UN official bodies' responsibilities for protecting human rights? Yon, yon, yon. That doesn't tell us now. Why do some countries not follow the Universal Declaration of Human Rights? It just looks like a blog that someone has written. Uh, most Muslim-majority countries, including Egypt, Iran, Pakistan, signed the Universal Declaration of Human Rights in 1948, but crucially, Saudi Arabia, where the king must comply with Sharia and the Quran, did not sign the declaration, arguing that it violated Islamic law and criticising it for failing to take into consideration cultural and, be, uh, and religious differences. Can a country leave the UN? <laughs> Which countries are not in the UN? Right, let's see if it answers this. Which countries are not in the UN? 
Every member state has equal representation in the UN's General Assembly. Nations was created. Right, here we go. 2022. So this is worldpopulationview.com. No, I don't want to sign up to anything. Ugh. Behind some kind of pay or sign up wall. I'm not doing any of that daft crap. <laughs> Does North Korea follow the Universal Declaration of Human Rights? Now, this would be a good one to uh, see, because like I said before, it doesn't really have uh, many human rights. So, the North Korea Human Rights Act of 2016 was passed on March the 3rd, 2016, by the Seoul National Assembly in the Republic of Korea. The Act of Clear Guidelines for the Protection and Advancement of Human Rights current and former North Korean citizens in accordance with the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. North Korea Human Rights Act became effective on September 4th, 2016. Outlines everything for funding to research. So it does look like they have human rights. So it's basically... So it looks like human rights are implemented by whatever country that you live in and is upheld by the United Nations. Yeah. Yeah. Fun times. Right. So, what happens then if those human rights of yours are violated? Who can you go to for help? What happens when human rights are violated? Oh wow, so this um, has taken us, uh, mind.org has taken us to uh, basically an online PDF. This takes us through in great detail. What goes on due to human rights? So let's have a look. Taking action about human rights, citizens' advice. What are human rights? HRW.org again. Human rights violations. What are human rights violations? What's this? HRW. This is HRW.org. What are human rights? So, what are human rights? We've been through all this. How are human rights defined? Core human rights in treaties. Okay, so this should be quite interesting. So, it tells us what uh, different countries do that. After the Second World War, the founding countries of the United Nations adopted the Universal Declaration of Human Rights in 1948, which sets out fundamental rights of all people and declared them a common standard of achievement for all nations. Since then, more than two dozen global treaties, as well as many regional agreements, have been provided, have provided a legal foundation for human rights ideals. When a government ratifies one of these treaties, it takes legal obligation to uphold human rights. The international, uh, so the core human rights treaties include the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, the International Covenant on Economic, Social and Cultural Rights. Other treaties focus on ending specific abuses such as torture, uh, enforced disappearances. <laughs> murders basically and forced labour slavery uh, some treaties protect the rights of marginalised groups including racial minorities women refugees uh, children people with disabilities and domestic workers which is always quite interesting so like the refugees one um, it's always quite bad isn't it because like obviously the media that's something that the media weaponises all the time and these people don't really have any human rights anymore so like it's a beautiful trap that they've got them in and they always 
refer to them as illegal migrants, but they're not. They're asylum seekers. So basically, I'll have a look in a minute just to check that I'm right, but I'm pretty sure like asylum law, which is, again, a human right, um, says that you have to be physically in the country that you want to claim asylum in. Okay, so you have to actually get to the country you want to claim asylum in before being able to claim asylum. The only way that you can travel outside of the country that you are a citizen of legally is with a valid passport. You can't get a valid passport from a country that you're a citizen of that is oppressing you because they will either have cancelled your passport or they won't give you one because they're oppressing you. Meaning that any travel outside of the country that you're a citizen of instantly becomes illegal. So how are you supposed to get to a different country in order to claim asylum? You're instantly, as soon as you set foot out of the borders of your country, you are instantly illegal because you don't have any travel documents. Uh, so, yeah, it's a nice little trap that they've, uh, that they've worked them into there. But anyway, like I say, I'll have a check of that in a minute just to make sure I'm right about the... Uh, um, about the laws of claiming asylum. Bloody cookies, as per usual. Bane of our life. Okay, so uh, moving on with this article on hrw.org. Um, the hrw.org, by the way, is Human Rights Watch. So, how are human rights enforced? Uh, the duty to enforce international human rights law rests primarily with governments themselves. Governments are obliged to protect and promote human rights by prohibiting violations by officials and agents of the state, prosecuting offenders, and creating ways that, that individuals can seek help for rights violations, such as having competent, independent, and impartial courts. Countries' failure to act against abuses by private individuals, such as domestic violence, can itself be a human rights violation. Okay, cool. So if you're getting mistreated, say assaulted at home or something along those lines, and the country that you live in fails to act to help you, then that can be claimed as a human rights violation. So yeah, this is a very good article, this. Um, nice. Uh, however, when governments are responsible for human rights violations, so when the actual government is oppressing you, these protections are often inadequate. Yeah. In these cases, inter international institutions like the UN Human Rights Council or the Committee Against Torture, obviously a very specific one, um, have only limited ability to enforce human rights protections. Okay, so basically unless you can get out of that friggin' country, you're pretty screwed, it sounds like. More frequently, governments that commit human rights violations are held publicly accountable for their actions by non-governmental organisations. Some organisations provide direct services, such as legal counsel and human rights education. Others organise and try to protect human rights by bringing lawsuits on behalf of individuals or groups. And organisations such as Human Rights Watch, hey, we're on their website, go on boys, um, use fact-finding and advisory and advocacy to generate pressure on governments to change their policies. Okay, okay. What about human rights in armed conflict? Yeah, it's. I don't think there really are that many, are they? I mean, you have these like Geneva Conventions to stop torture and all that kind of thing, but most of that goes out the window, I imagine, in an actual war zone when you're fighting for your life. So I couldn't even possibly begin to comment on any of them. Um, what? about prosecutions of rights violators okay uh, individuals who commit serious violations of international human rights or humanitarian law including crimes against humanity and war crimes may be prosecuted by their own country or by other countries exercising what is known as universal jurisdiction so if you commit a war crime you kind of go you go to the hague don't you very famously i imagine that comes under this universal jurisdiction that you've got to uh, that, you, that you've got to stick to, so other countries can basically prosecute somebody else from any other country if they've committed a human rights violation against their country. Yeah, that makes sense. I think did it, me head anyway. I think we got there in a roundabout way. Yeah, cool. Uh, they may also be tried by international courts, such as the International Criminal Court, which was set up in two thousand two to try individuals responsible for serious crimes such as genocide. Crimes against humanity and war crimes. Yeah, cool. So I kind of forgot what we um, asked there, but that did give us a lot of 
good and nice background article on uh, on human rights. You see, it's interesting because it doesn't give. Uh, oh, there we go. So, date. This was written in 2014. So obviously, a hell of a lot's changed in the world since then. <laughs> um, but yeah, imagine, they imagine like all the principles are the same and all that kind of thing. I mean, the UK is talking about pulling out of the uh, European Convention on Human Rights, which is what will protect us if our government decided that they wanted to do things that were against our human rights. Um, if they pull out of that, then God knows <laughs> what we're supposed to do if they start being horrible. Um, but that would give them the right to like screw over workers and make you work more hours and basically get rid of your human rights. Oh, good. So, right. So, let's go back to what question that we have. What happens when human rights are violated? So, we, we kind of got somewhere with the human rights violation question when it said uh, about the international courts um, and that um, previous one that we just mentioned. Uh, I forgot what it was called already. Uh, let's go back and find that article so I can find what I was just talking about. Yeah, so uh, they can use universal jurisdiction to prosecute somebody who um, isn't being prosecuted by their own country. But mainly it's in the hands of the country, isn't it, to uh, to enforce... Uh, their own human rights. Right, so let's have a look, see if we can find out a bit more about what they can do. Um, what I wanted to have a look at was, do you have to be the country you wish to claim asylum in? Do asylum seekers have to go to the nearest country? Uh, refugees obliged to claim asylum in the first. So this is all uh, government website stuff. About how you actually claim asylum. Do asylum seekers care for Calais.org? Oof, that's going to be a controversial website, isn't it? There is no legal requirement for a refugee to claim asylum in any particular country. There is a requirement for the first safe country in which they arrive to hear their asylum claim, but if this does not happen for any reason, the refugee is then free to make their asylum claim elsewhere. There we go. Can you claim asylum from outside the UK? To claim asylum in the UK, a person must be in the UK. There we go, like I say. So the fact that they've got to skip over the water and they do they pay a lot of money to these illegal people traffickers in order to do so is because you can't claim asylum from out in for the UK inside the UK. It's not possible to apply from outside the country. There you go. So if you wonder why they're coming here illegally, it's because the asylum laws make them come here illegally. Whereas if you change that law and put a depot in France for asylum processing, you wouldn't have any boats landing on the beaches and the right wing would have nothing to cry and scream about. Simples. It'd be so easy to fix. Right, so back to uh, human rights. So let's have a look at... Oh, shit, I kind of forgotten what it was called again. Universal Jurisdiction. And have a bit of a look at what Universal Jurisdiction means. You and I. Jurisdiction. Yay! There you go. You've just seen uh, how 
ridiculously bad my English is. Spelling jurisdiction with a D. Uh, yeah, cool. So. Let's have a look at this first one. So this is ECCHR.EU. Allow all cookies. So this is a very, very brief summary. Universal jurisdiction. The principle of universal jurisdiction provides a state's jurisdiction over crimes against international law even when the crimes did not occur on that state's territory and neither the victim nor the perpetrator is a national of that state. The principle allows national courts in third, in third countries to address international crimes occurring abroad to hold perpetrators criminally liable and to prevent impunity. Right. So basically anybody can step in and prosecute anybody from anywhere of the international jurisdiction. But I imagine that only is if they break international law. So I imagine if somebody broke a law that was like specific to the United States, someone from the UK couldn't step in and try them in a UK court, surely. So we'll look, see if we can get... Uh, So here we go, we're back to the humanrightswatch.org website, hrw.org. Uh, basic facts on universal jurisdiction. The legal, the legal basis and importance of universal jurisdiction. Despite recent pro the recent controversy it has provoked, the concept of universal jurisdiction for grave crimes in viola violation of international law is not a new concept. It was codified in an international treaty. Da, 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 da. Here we go. Right. So universal jurisdiction can be asserted in relation to a limited number of international crimes, including war crimes, torture, crimes against humanity, genocide, piracy, hijacking, acts of terrorism and attacks on UN personnel. So because the UN is made up of all the different countries that go that um, are part of the UN, if you attack any one of them, then that's surely that's like an international crime, right? You're breaking international law there. Right, so that's interesting. So it, only, it is only a limited number of international crimes. Universal jurisdiction is a crucial tool by which victims of grave international crimes can obtain redress. So basically, if your country is letting you down, you can apply to this universal jurisdiction in order to get justice for yourself. Universal jurisdiction is an important means to reduce the unevenness in the landscape of international justice. Excuse me. As the recent African Union-European Union joint report on universal jurisdiction stresses, temporarily geographical personnel and subject matter uh, limitations on the jurisdiction of international criminal courts and tribunals mean that universal jurisdiction remains a vital element in the fight against impunity. Universal jurisdiction is an important means of reducing the unevenness in the landscape of international justice. I would love to see <laughs> is universal uh, jurisdiction being abused? I imagine so. There'll be somebody who's trying to do it to everything. Claims about the abuse of the application of universal... Here we go. Claims about the abuse of the application of universal jurisdiction. In the wake of arrest warrants against leaders of the Rwandan Patriotic Front, some have argued that universal jurisdiction is a tool used unfairly against Africans. Previously, other denounced universal jurisdictions as a means of advocating political objective against the state of Israel or the United States. Here again, it is important to consider the facts. The recent AU EU report on universal jurisdiction shows that complaints have been filed before European courts against nationals of 27 different states including individuals from 10 AU member states 
right? So people are thinking it's being used by certain countries in order to persecute other countries. But you would, wouldn't you, if you were getting accused of war crimes and shit? Like, um, State of Israel, I imagine we know what that's about. Uh, United States, if I had to guess off the top of my head, um, it'd be like detention centres for immigrants coming over the border. Um, yeah, cool. Critics also suggest that universal uh, jurisdiction proceedings have ignored official immunities recognised under international law. Oh, okay, so, so some people are immune to it. So foreign ministers, it looks like there. Um, as mentioned above, actual accused who have been brought to trial under international under universal jurisdiction laws have been low-level and mid-level perpetrators who would have benefited from immunities. Who would not have benefited from immunities. Right, so they've not tried to bring anybody who is immune. How do you get immunity from this? And it, doesn't that defeat the entire fucking object of it? So the object of that would be if like, a perpetrator is doing a war crime. So if the leader of another country is doing war crimes on his people, surely this is what they can use to step in and arrest them. But do they have immunity? Um, it's important to be wary of efforts to stretch the notion of immunities under international law with regard to grave international crimes. Even if individual states' uh, practice in this matter differs, the decision of the International Court of Justice in the Yemeni case, in the Yordira, Yerodia, Y-E-R-O-D-I-A, Yerodia, yeah, cool, uh, in the Yerodia case, which upheld immunity from prosecutions for the Colonies Foreign Minister, the Congolese Foreign Minister, Foreign Minister from Congo, is limited to a very small group of officials holding governmental positions. Any uh, efforts to secure privileges, such as not being subjected to arrest warrants, for a much broader category of individuals defined as foreign state officials exercising a representative function on behalf of his or her state. Right. So this is trying to protect individuals who are acting on behalf of their states, but who haven't actually committed the crime. It would be like, um, say, maybe a representative of the UK in the UN being arrested for the government in the UK doing horrible things to its people. And has, he hasn't even been there and hasn't been anything to do with it and doesn't have any say in it either way. Um, this would shoot to shield individuals from accountability. Right, so, yeah. So it doesn't sound like many people have got immunity. If you're actually guilty of it, you can't be immune from it. Surely that's what that means. Otherwise, it kind of defeats the object. Hmm. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, I think that's about as far as we're going to get with it. Um. Yeah, so... Yeah, I think that's about all we have. We've answered pretty much every single question that we've got about what are human rights. It's a group of rights that have been set out to protect you from birth to death, no matter who you are, what you believe, and what you want to do. Um, they are in place to protect you unless you break the law or commit any kind of international crime or anything like that. And then your right to freedom will obviously be infringed if you're a danger to that society. Um, human rights are upheld and dictated by the country in which you live and mainly they are um, subject to the laws of that country if you go against or break a human rights against someone then um, you will be punished by the country in which you live in uh, allegedly uh, if not there's the universal jurisdiction where people can step in and normally be somebody like the UN or another international body that can step in and they have jurisdiction to uh, help you out if your human rights are being violated. Yeah. 
that's about all it is. So, I mean, stuff like God-given human rights and all that kind of thing don't exist. It just depends on what country you live in and what they allow people to do. Things like, so like, let's go on to do like a specific case. So I mentioned the water one before. So, is water a basic human right? Yes. Oh. <laughs> That's good. Cool. Human rights to water. Right, so pretty much everywhere. The human right to water entitles everyone to sufficient, safe, acceptable, physically accessible and affordable water. Water is a basic human right. So basically, if you do that, so let's put in the US. See, look, it says Nestle there, like third one down. In the US. Right, that's uh, just taking us to another PDF. So here it's put the General Assembly reaffirms that the full in the full realization of the right to development the right to food and clean water are fundamental human rights. Ah oh, you see, so that's where it all kind of falls down. So PACE International Law. It's an international law blog. It's just said that California is the only state. Here we go. In 2012, California became the first state to recognize the human right to water. Yet no other state, nor has the US government, adopted similar measures. Right, so the, in Flint, Michigan, so this is where the water coming out of the tap, when it like setting on fire and shit. It's fucking crazy. There's loads of uh, really interesting um, things, videos, that's what I'm looking for, videos on YouTube um, that show you the state of the water in Flint, Michigan. Um, and it's bad news, and no one went in to sort it out. And there you can see why. Uh, so, yeah. So, this is a great example of uh, human rights. Every single, when I like, googled a second ago, um, is water a human right? Literally every single article, all the way down from every single different like organization on the first page of Google was saying that water is definitely a human right. The US government doesn't think so. So then again, that answers the uh, question of who gives us uh, human rights. Depends where you friggin live. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So yet yeah, no other states, nor has the UF, US government adopted a similar measure. With the crisis still continuing in Flint, it is now time for other states to expressly adopt statutes or ordinance guaranteeing every single person a right to water. The US cannot, on one hand, declare that everyone has the right to life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, and on the other hand, deny people the right to water. I mean, a fair friggin' point, isn't it? <laughs> but the US is a lot like that, isn't it? It's very, uh, very different. So this was written uh, May 2017. So I wonder if there's a more recent article. Is water a human right? US advance human rights to safe, affordable water. Is an human right? Access to water, human right. Uh, so I imagine this has been... Let's have a look at the Nestle thing, shall we, in a second. Why water should not be a human right? Oh, that's gross. 
UK's position on human rights to water, the right to water is not a freestanding right or a right in customary international law. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not a human right, is it? The human right to water entitles everyone to sufficient safe uh, base. Water is a basic human right, so it's just people upset, but it doesn't like any government. Actually says. So this is a PDF again. Is there a right to water in international law? So this is a PDF, uh, Assets Publishing Services. This is from gov.uk. So this is an official UK government PDF. The human right to water. Is there a human right to water in international law? Yes, the human right to, to water is an element of the right to everyone's adequate standard of living uh, for himself and his family. The UK considers that the right to water entitles everyone to a sufficient amount of reasonably affordable and accessible water necessary to survive, i.e. drinking, cooking and personal hygiene. So that's where the uh, UK stands on it anyway, so that's good to know. Ooh, this was 2006. Shit. We've been through a lot since 2006. Why can't we find any up-to-date stuff? Ah. Ooh. God, this could take us, like, all night to try and just find out if one thing is a basic human right. Right, so let's go back to the uh, US one. Nestle. Nestle.com. So they've actually put a thing. So it's, this is actually on Nestle's website. Access to safe, affordable, reliable water, sanitation and hygiene, known as WASH, are basic human rights. So they're donating water to other people while stealing it from those in America where they make their products. That's amazing. Um, as a company which operates globally, we are able to use our size and reach to help ensure people in the ag agricultural communities that supply us and the vulnerable communities that may surround them access to clean water and sanitation. Nestle is committed to protecting these rights. It's not what we've heard. Let's be honest. Right, Snopes. I do love a fact-checking website. Snopes is well good. Consent. Do what you want. Don't care. Yeah, so Snopes.com. Did the chief executive officer of Nestle say that water is not a human right? Mixture. Ooh, what is true? Barbeck Letmath called the idea that water is a human right extreme. He did not declare that water was not a human right, as the meme claims. Origin. According to a years-old meme, the CAA... Da -da 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 -da. Multinational food and beverage company that boasts worldwide sales of 7.7 .7 billion in bottled water every year once declared that water was not a human right. Well, he didn't. We've just established that. That's what he actually said. The pushback from human rights advocates. Nah, nah, nah. I think they've got it on video, what you actually said there. Fueling the controversy were instances in which large corporations privatised the water supply of communities forced to sell or lease resources due to economic hardship, only to raise the water rates of local residents to prices higher than many could afford, essentially cutting them off from their own resources. Nestle ultimately responded to the criticism by releasing their own video in 2013 in which he tried to clarify his remarks by saying that his earlier statement was taken out of context. In a newer video, he attempted to recontextualize his comments by saying that people do not have an inherent right to waste water or own swimming pools. Despite the fact that his original statement, he made it clear that he was advocating for water privatisation. You piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, anyway. 
sorry, that was a little aside. I think that's quite nice on to finish off. The uh, founder of Nestle is a human piece of crap, but I think we all kind of knew that. <laughs> He's that bigger CEO. Right, yeah, so just to recap and um, to go over everything, uh, what are human rights? They're your rights as a human that you should be entitled to uh, everything. They change depending on what country you live on. Um, the UN are there to protect them. And there are international laws of people that can step in if your human rights are being infringed. And the CEO of Nestle is a human piece of turd who wants to privatise water. Um, yeah, so great stuff. That's about it from us this week. Um, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, check us out on uh, Facebook or wherever you else you want to follow us or listen along. Um, yeah, good stuff. And I'll speak to you again soon. Thanks a lot.